Does someone you love have Alzheimer's? We're here to help. Alzheimer's Family Services Center is the only dementia-specific adult day health center in Orange County, offering expert support and services to families living with Alzheimer's. Check out our website at afscenter.org or call 714-593-9630. You and your love deserve the best. Call today for a free consultation, 714-593-9630. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? They're not movie tough guys, just ordinary people doing something extraordinary. They're all signed up on matchingdonors.com, willing to donate their kidney to anyone who needs it. In the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. Matchingdonors.com improves those odds by finding living altruistic donors for patients desperately needing transplants. Go to matchingdonors.com and meet some extraordinary people. That's matchingdonors.com. If you're looking for a new place to live and have been discouraged from looking in certain neighborhoods, you may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, familial status, and disability. If it's happened to you, it can happen to others. Call HUD's discrimination hotline at 1-800-669-9777. Live free from housing discrimination. Lefty Lucy, righty tighty. Okay, here's the thing about yellow snow. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Learn how to drive, you moron! Remember, you're always teaching. Teach carefully. React with rage, and kids will learn it's okay to do the same. Keep your cool, and kids will do likewise. For advice, visit actagainstviolence.org. Brought to you by MetLife Foundation, National Association for the Education of Young Children, and the Ad Council. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. All right, good afternoon. This is Chandra Amani, and I am your guest for Ear to the Ground. Mondays 5 to 6 on KUCI 88.9 FM here in Irvine. Now, as always, we have a fascinating program. We always have, um, I wouldn't say a good time because it's, it's hardly ever comfortable. But these are topics, in my opinion, they must be discussed. Today we have with us a very, very prominent member of our Orange County citizenship. Her name is Melinda Magdaleno. And she is with a program that ministers to women in prison, a program called Glory to Glory. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So we're going to talk about women in prison. What happens? Why does that happen? But I want to first acknowledge and, and just thank him for being here, my, my fabulous guest co-host, Ruben Fernandez. Ruben, say hello if you don't mind. <laughs> thank you, Chandra. And it is an honor to be here with you guys. And uh, good evening, Orange County, or good afternoon. Yes, yes. Five o'clock, and this is what we do, ear to the ground at KUCI 88.9 here in Irvine. So, Melinda... Thank you, 
uh, first of all, for being with us. And I know that um, I'm, I'm just like biting at the bit. I just can't wait to get all these questions answered. But the first question I want to ask you, Melinda, who are the women in prison? Who are the women in prison? Yeah, what are they like? You know, um, it's hard to describe what people feel when we bring up a topic like that. You know, anybody incarcerated, but especially when you talk about women in prison. So who are they? That's a good question because sometimes when um, you ask that question, who are women in prison, who are women in jail, automatically, you know, we, we get this picture of um, somebody running the streets, you know, somebody that's exactly. um, out there, you know, and you could tell. You could tell their background just by looking at them. You could tell where they come from just by looking at them. But um, if we really take a minute, you know, to think about it, you know, the women that are in prison, that are incarcerated today, um, because of different things that are happening today, it could be anybody from, you know, the mother next door that lives next door to you to um, the young girl in high school, you know, just graduating high school to somebody in college to um, the man that owns a big business to the white collar, you know, um, it, it could be anybody. And there are so many even political issues that surround incarceration these days, uh, political issues, uh, emotional issues, you know, just all this stuff that seems to surround that topic. Why are we so afraid of a topic like this? Why does it make us shiver? I think that fear, the fear that, that comes with discussing this topic, it, it is a fear because when you begin to bring it up, um, it hits home with a lot of people, I believe. Oh, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. hits home because they may have that person who may be their daughter or their aunt or their mom or I'm going to say even their grandma um, who is incarcerated and they don't want nobody to know. Yeah, it seems like it's just one of those topics that makes you pause. You know, when I was telling my um, my housemate what we were going to be discussing on the radio this afternoon, and I thought I had mentioned it, but, you know, of course I told her again, and just this seriousness came over her face, and she said, wow. So there's something about incarceration. There's something about... Um, involuntary confinement mm -hmm. that really sets us on edge. Mm -hmm. um, what crimes, Ruben, do you have anything before I go on to the more specific? Yeah, I was just going to make mention, um, and, and maybe uh, I was just thinking, you know, when uh, you had made mention to Melinda about the incarceration how some people may see it you know but melinda do you get do you ever get uh people that would just 
tune it out immediately or do you think they want to engage in the conversation with you regarding incarceration? Well, from my past, from my experience, my different experiences, you know, I, I do find out that there are women, I mean, there are people, you know, certain individuals who they, they don't want to discuss it. That is just something, to me, it seems like it's just something that's way too far beyond their control or comprehension to, you know, even try and understand that population. Um, I believe that population is, it's, it's a population that's been pushed aside, I would say, um, a population that's forgotten. And, uh, you know, there's, but they're there and they need mm-hmm. to be acknowledged. They need mm-hmm. to, you know... Yeah, many have commit crimes and many have done, you know, things that they wouldn't normally do and they're there for reasons, you know, uh, different reasons, but um, they're there. And I think that's one of the purposes of the show um, to really emotionally or take a step to emotionally connecting with women who find themselves in this situation staring something like this in the face. And, uh, you know, if, if, if moms are listening right now, it may not be one of your friends or best friends or whatever, but it may be a friend of your child's someday. Things like that. So now, I, I have this question. What crimes... And circumstances send women, especially here in Orange County, to prison versus giving them probation, community service, maybe a stiff fine. So, so what things send us to prison versus being able to be out in the normal population just on probation or something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, from what I understand, there's a law that's um, fairly new, and it's um, the law is named AB 109. And I don't know all the details about it, but I know from uh, my understanding is that in order to go to prison, you either have to have committed a violent crime or a sex-related crime. Okay. Okay. Today, you know, in today's day, that's what's going to send you to prison. Anything other than that, anything that's nonviolent, you're going to stay within the county jails to do your time. Okay. You will still be imprisoned, possibly, but just in a jail setting. Yes. In a, yeah, here, local county jails. Because you, know, you have the state prisons, and then you have the county facilities. So for nonviolent crimes, you're going to stay within your county, whatever county you get arrested in, mm-hmm. L.A. County, Orange County, Riverside County, you're going to do, stay there and do your time there within that county facility. Orange County listeners, you are hearing Melinda Magdaleno with Glory to Glory Ministries, and we're discussing a very difficult topic, women in prison, especially the women here in Orange County. And um, so we could do a whole show, you know, talking about residing in a county jail versus what's it like to be in a state prison here in California. But we're not going to go in that direction today because I want us to take a first step in simply emotionally connecting 
with women who are facing some kind of term in a women's correctional facility. And, 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 and I tend to be thinking specifically a prison. So that's the topic today. And by the way, you're tuned in to 88.9 FM, KUCI here in Irvine. Now, Melinda, I have a question. Is, is this situation that we're facing uh, in our prisons, is, it, is there a lot of political stuff? Is there a lot of racial stuff? I know when the person who introduced me to Melinda, by the way, my listeners, was uh, Kevin Brown. And remember, he's the one who heads up a lot of gang intervention. He focuses on that and also even rescuing from sex trafficking. But he's the one who introduced me to Melinda. And um, he talked a lot about how political it can be um, getting arrested and then finally being locked up. Do you find that, Melinda, is that part of what you're passionate about, you know, being caught up on all the the political tangents and issues surrounding incarcerated women? Mm, I think the the um, the main thing that 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 attracts me to this population is just the fact that women are people. Mm-hmm. They're people, and that's what my heart goes out to. It it goes out to the women that um, are incarcerated, and some of them are there because you have to take into consideration that most of them are there behind crimes that they've committed. Um, due to addiction okay mm-hmm. um, the majority I would say most of the population there um, are there behind cr- crimes that are committed due to a, an addiction you know whether it's drugs or alcohol um, and sometimes they women get la- they, they get labeled you know and we look at these women in a certain way and you know we label them and we see them as women in prison we see them as women that have committed crimes we see them as women that have abandoned their children we see them as women that have neglected their responsibilities you know in life and they get they get a lot of labels placed on them and my heart is to um let others know that you know these women that they're women they're human beings their mothers, their wives, you know, they have children, you know, um, they're in their right mind now, you know, and what they did, what they did to get them incarcerated is not necessarily who they are. I see. And see, even just studying that would be very eye-opening for people. Did you hear that, Reuben? What got them in prison? Right isn't necessarily who they are. It's almost going back to, I think it was Dr. Christopher that we had here Mm -hmm. last week, where he was mentioning about the internal thing that always lets out the outward expression thing, you know, and and it is, it it almost appears that, you know, and and I like one thing that um, Melinda had said. She said that people are the ones that are putting the labels on these that are incarcerated for whether it be, you know, uh, I guess everything that was behind the addiction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, uh, Melinda, that's, I was going to ask you, 
with these women that are going in there, um, what, what, what would the, you know, let's say the number one thing that you would share with them immediately uh, when your first point of contact is with them? And and I don't know, Chandra, uh, is that something we want to say for the second half or? No, not at all. Is, you know. No, this is ear to the ground. So we <laughs> is is that <laughs> something, you know, what what would you say the number one thing is that you just share with them right off the bat when you come encounter with them as they're in there? You know, because I could imagine they're in there weeping because they're saying they didn't do it or weeping because, you know, they don't know why they're in there. You know, all of that racing through them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the first things that I would share with them, and it is one of the things that I do share with them when I used to go into um, CIW, Women's Prison a Facility in Norco, and... Um, the Orange County IRC right here is that my heart was to let them know that they're important, that they're important and that they matter and that they're not forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, because many of them, you know, because of their, their past lifestyle and the wrong choices that they've made, um, they've been shut off by family members, by friends, by anybody that, you know, by everybody and anybody that, means anything to them you know there's no longer contact they're there they're alone um you know you have the few that that are there you know they have their family support and um families their family members that come and visit them or their children that come and visit them but for the most part i'm going to say maybe eight out of ten women that's those are my numbers Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. eight out of ten women um they don't have that they don't have that support wow Really, eight out of now. We don't think of that because we watch the movies. We see um, the film productions of people in prison, and they always have people visiting them. Would you say that, Ruben? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, isn't that (laughs) kind of the picture? I like how you pointed that. That's true. You know, film production. They show you. You know, it's not like that, and we're hearing it clearly from Melinda that that's not what you know is is in front of her statistic which is eight out of that that is uh that's a mind blower there yeah and even as as a person who works with them day in and day out Mm -hmm. um you have a feel for it you know i'm trying to look at reuben over there she has a feel for the sheer numbers of, of what it's like for each woman in that facility mm-hmm. so that that's just i don't know that's a surprise and uh we're 15 minutes into the program already and i don't know when i was putting the format of the show together i just felt in my heart that people would be asking why on earth would she talk about something like this you know why bring it up but you know i've heard several times you can correct me melinda rubin that there are more prisons going up, maybe not for women, but there are more prisons going up in our society than there are universities, than there are schools. I've heard the same thing. I don't know the exact numbers or anything, but I've heard that before. Yeah, you know, I've never, I, I've never heard that. Um, and and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, with the 
you know how they're they were talking about dispersing from these prisons into uh the county jails to uh you know because of budget reasons and so forth so i i'm not sure i you know i can't say if i have heard that or not but you know that almost sounds uh relevant to say that mm-hmm. you know we are probably um almost equivalent to that you know with uh universities and so forth and I, I wanted to ask melinda too before i go to a completely another uh direction as a friend and a counselor to to many imprisoned women melinda what are the major concerns of the woman who is incarcerated for the very first time? Mm-hmm. What is she thinking about? What is she obsessing over? What is really, really, you know, jerking her chain, so to speak, as she is facing incarceration for the very first time? Mm-hmm. I think for um, those that have, the women that have children, mm-hmm. I think I believe their main concern would be their children. Where are my children? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, who's taking care of them? And am I going to lose my children? Um, if I do lose them, am I going to be able to get them back? Um, I think that that would be one of the main concerns um, for for women that have children. Mm-hmm. And I know I was really surprised. Um, at what you said about you would you would think that eight out of ten women who are facing incarceration don't have support. You know, they're disconnected from their families. They're disconnected from close friends. They're disconnected from people who we might call connected, you know, connected to resources and so forth. So what would be another concern we got the children of course that's going to be a major concern what else is going on in their hearts and their minds and and even though you may not consciously think about this you'll find out on ear to the ground it's very i don't know it's very adventurous philosophical so so you may not have even thought of this consciously that's on purpose but from (laughs) Your gut level from your heart. You know, what else are these women dealing with as they're facing incarceration for the first time? Mm -hmm. I think now that I'm thinking about it, um, being incarcerated for the first time is it's a pretty traumatic experience. But, you know, you you go you have to take into consideration, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the majority of women that are incarcerated is behind addiction, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, you've got these women that they're out here in the streets and they're, you know, they're addicted to whatever it is that they're addicted to and they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do. So I think when women, I believe when women get in car- when they become incarcerated, um, you know, after a week or so, you know, they, they find themselves in their right minds. Seeing a lot of people, people don't understand that, is that the person that they've seen maybe running, you know, out of control out here is now incarcerated for, you know, seven, now it's been seven to ten days, a couple weeks. Well, that woman is now in her right mind, you know, so she begins to, you know, try and reach out to family members and try and reach out to friends or, or whoever, um, 
to get some type of support because you do when you're incarcerated you do need that support whether it's you know mental emotional you know financial support Mm -hmm. you you need that and um being incarcerated you know after a couple weeks you know you get to a place where you are in your right mind now and you just begin your mind just begins to to um think wow what did i do Mm -hmm. um whatever the woman may, may be referring to and it may she may be referring to maybe you know the crime she committed she may be referring to maybe um abandoning her children she may be referring to maybe hurting somebody she may be referring to i mean i could go on and on with the list sure but i think the main concern uh, for her is is that um i can't believe i did what i did and would you say that, Melinda, that sometimes they don't believe what they did until when they're in there, they get it from a newspaper or they see it on TV? Mm-hmm. Is is that one of the resources where they realize, like, this is reality, this is... I believe reality hits when you're sitting in the courtroom and you're, sit- you're standing before the judge and, and you're, you're, you know your crimes are read off to you, you know, and, and they're telling you why you there why you're there and what how many you know, what type of um um how much time you face or that's when reality hits is, you know, when you're 'cause I don't I, I, I believe that's the main point of reality hitting you is when you're when you're sitting in the courtroom and just hearing them read off the crimes you've committed, the time you're facing, how much your bail is, and, you know, if you're going to get out or you're not going to get out, um, just w- the reality of it all. Would you say at that time for the the inmate or, you know, the incarcerated, the woman that's incarcerated, would you say at that time that's when families either going to decide, you know, or even if they're there, are they deciding that, you know, we're going to go ahead and stick this out with them? Or, you know, they're there and they just have to face the consequence. Mm-hmm. I think that that's based, that is different based on each different, you know, individual. Um, because, well, we're talking about the first time offender. Right. So I'm assuming that she's going to have, for the most part, she'll have that family support. Okay, for the most part. Yeah, for the mm-hmm. most part, I believe. The first-time offender, you know, she's going to have the, the the family support. You know, they still have hope. You know, she hasn't, um, for lack of better words, burned out all her bridges yet. And, right. You know, so she still has that support at that time. And there's, you know, it's just like everybody's in shock. It's kind of, at this point, it's probably kind of a good, healthy shock. Mm-hmm. It's an eye-opener. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, it's kind of like everybody is shooken, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's eyes are open to, wow, reality, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is your daughter. This is, you know, um, and it can be a pretty hard, very hard blow. I know that... Um I don't know, Get just in different books that I read, conversations that I hear maybe on YouTube and stuff like that, 
a lot of people, especially younger people, maybe in high school, not so much in college, but especially in high school, it seems like they make fun of, you know, the incarceration issue. You know, they're, they're experimenting with drugs, they're experimenting with, with uh, driving and drinking and all this. You know, they want to be wild and crazy and adventurous, but I think a lot of times there's a disrespect toward what it means to find yourself in a courtroom and, uh, you know, being indicted for all of these charges. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a difficult thing that we have going on in the mindset of, of younger people. But I want to talk about, since we're getting so close to the mid-hour, recidivism. Is that the correct pronunciation? Recidivism. Recidivism. Okay, there. And, and that means basically um, people coming back over and over, right? Right. Okay. Yes. So rates of recidivism. Okay. So do you know anything about, and I don't expect you to, you know, be an expert in this because you're an expert in what's going on inside of them internally and their families and closest friends and stuff like that. But I did want to ask you maybe what are your um, overall take? What is your overall take on recidivism in Orange County? The rates. The rates. Mm -hmm. um, I do have some numbers here that were given to me by one of the, um, or, um, a lady that I work with. She works with the Orange County Sheriff Department. And she said that they really don't have any rates, specific rates on recidivism. She said, but what she does have is that they, they keep track um, of an average daily population, um, the annual jail population. And it, from the numbers that she gave me here, it looks like, um, let's see here, the annual jail population totals for the calendar year of 2012, we had, they had uh, for males, 5,610 males, mm -hmm. for female, 827 for 2012 which is uh, versus um, this year, 2013, um, between January and May. That was only a few months, and they had more than for the whole full year of 2012, which is 5,800, and then 900 women. And 900 women, yes. okay. Uh -huh. hmm. Yeah. But then if you look at the bookings, the numbers that she gave me, the total inmate bookings and releases for 2012 was 66,000. And then total um, for this year between January and May is 25,000, almost 26,000. So that's just for bookings. 26,000. So mm -hmm. that means you've been arrested and mm -hmm. there's a record. Right. There's a record of arrest, right. not necessarily a record of this other stuff like right. indictment, courtroom, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just like if you got arrested, so you got arrested for drunk driving, mm -hmm. they took you to jail, they booked you. So now, you know, they you show as one of their bookings. Not necessary. It's not necessary. That doesn't mean that you did time, mm -hmm. but it just means that you were booked. You were arrested for something. Now, I know with this topic of recidivism, and, and again, Orange County, uh, you've probably heard the term before, but it basically means 
um, the number of people that come back again. So that's what recidivism is. And uh, I know we could have a whole show on that, but I just want to ask one more question. And, and this, again, is your gut level perception. What is the single most effective strategy to reduce recidivism here in Orange County? And we know that Orange County complex culture. Mm -hmm. You know, from Mercedes to um, Prozac addictions. You know, such a complex culture. You don't want anyone to know that your teenager is in trouble. Uh, but your husband is addicted to alcohol. You know, just, just many, many layers of things going on. And a lot of that has to do with denial right. and having to appear in this perfected state. Mm -hmm. So keeping all of that in mind, what would you say, Melinda, is the single most effective strategy to reduce the rates of recidivism among Orange County women? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <laughs> um, reducing the recidivism rate, that is something I, I can honestly say that I would, I'm probably sure everybody wish they had the answer to. Um, because if there was a specific answer, the recidivism rate would be low. We would be um, implementing it, right? Right, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think the uh, Sheriff's Department would want that answer, exactly. too. Exactly, <laughs> and I did ask this contact that I have with the Orange County Sheriff, and she pretty much said that, what I just said. Um, you know, there's no real, well, you know, one, two, three, and that's how we do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity out there for individuals who want it, but that's the key. The key thing is, you know, those who want it. The woman has to want yeah. it. Okay. And the woman not only want it, but then the next step is she has to pursue it. Because I know wanting it, I know plenty of people that I work with, they want it right now. But they don't want to do the legwork that it takes to get them from point A to point B. I see. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and that was actually going to be my question for her, and, and that's, I'm glad you touched on that, Melinda, is, you know, how much of it do they really want, you know, the change? Because mm -hmm. that's what it is, change. Not, ev not everybody <laughs> likes change, you know, so mm -hmm. in your ratio, do you see it, you know, do you see that as a high ratio or a low ratio, you know, due to the... Um, a difficult word recidivism is that what it is yeah i had to practice it for <laughs> so long yeah i actually learned that word in school so <laughs> that's the only reason why i know it it is when i first heard it i thought to myself okay what's that but i had a professor who says you know whenever you come across a word that you don't understand look it up that's how you're going to build your vocabulary pronounce yeah it. so um i think with the i believe the recidivism rate is still very high it was high, you know, as back, it's been high as far back as I can remember, 
but as far as with the population that that um, deals with addiction, it's you know the merry-go-round cycle. You know, it's sure it's just it's the recidivism rate in that population is very high um, because they're not receiving the help that they need. And, you know, they may go into jail for a couple months, you know, clean up and, you know, get their head straight a little bit. And they want to do right. But then they come out and there's no resources for them. There's no help. There's no support. So they go right back to what they know. And that's, you know back to wherever they were at before, doing what they were doing before. And it's just a cycle, an unending cycle. They, you know, get hooked on drugs again, get arrested again, go back to jail, and it just goes round and round. Wow. So this is a difficult topic, and I'm sure my Orange County listeners are agreeing that it's very uncomfortable to talk about anyone who is incarcerated, um, let alone a woman. We have with us Melinda Magdaleno with Glory to Glory Ministries, and we're talking about the incarceration of Orange County women. When we get back, we're going to find out specifically about Melinda. So stay right with us, Orange County. Let's hear a few announcements. Does someone you love have Alzheimer's? We're here to help. Alzheimer's Family Services Center is the only dementia-specific adult day health center in Orange County, offering expert support and services to families living with Alzheimer's. Check out our website at afscenter.org or call 714-593-9630. You and your love deserve the best. Call today for a free consultation, 714-593-9630. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? They're not movie tough guys, just ordinary people doing something extraordinary. They're all signed up on MatchingDonors.com, willing to donate their kidney to anyone who needs it. In the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. MatchingDonors.com improves those odds by finding living altruistic donors for patients desperately needing transplants. Go to MatchingDonors.com and meet some extraordinary people. That's MatchingDonors.com. If you're looking for a new place to live and have been discouraged from looking in certain neighborhoods, you may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, familial status, and disability. If it's happened to you, it can happen to others. Call HUD's discrimination hotline at 1-800-669-9777. Live free from housing discrimination. Lefty Lucy, righty tighty. Okay, here's the thing about yellow snow. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Learn how to drive, you moron! Remember, you're always teaching. Teach carefully. React with rage, and kids will learn it's okay to do the same. Keep your cool, and kids will do likewise. For advice, visit actagainstviolence.org. Brought to you by MetLife Foundation, National Association for the Education of Young Children, and the Ad Council. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 
To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Specifically for women. All right. Welcome back. We have with us Melinda Magdaleno. I love that name, by the way. (laughs) It's just the name of a song, I think. (laughs) Melinda Magdaleno. (laughs) But she is with uh, quite an impressive program right here in Orange County. What city is it based in, Melinda? Uh, We are based in the city of Placentia. Oh, Placentia. I remember Placentia Mm -hmm. because I had to drive through there on my first job here in Orange County. I love Placentia. <laughs> it's just it's beautiful though, it isn't is. it? It's very nice, yes. It's yeah, it's really nice. different from a lot of Orange County. It's it's really um kind of a special place. So I want to talk about and thank you for joining me, Ruben, Melinda, our guest expert. We're talking about women incarcerated in Orange County, women in prison. Tell us about Melinda Magdaleno. How have you risen to become a culture changer? Um, Well, it's taken me obviously some years (laughs) to get to the point where I'm at today. And um, one of the things that I believe that, that has just helped me get to where I'm at today is pretty much taking it one day at a time. Um, I've always known, I've always known, I've always had it in my heart that I knew what, um, I'm going to say what I was born for, if I could say, Um, and it's always been a desire to reach out to um, women who struggle, who struggle with... um, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, that's just been, I would say, at the forefront of my mind for many years. And I've always, I've always, um, wherever I've gone to, wherever I've been, whatever organization I've been involved with, um, it's always to to reach out to that population. And um, I believe it, it was just a vision that was put you know, a dream that, you know, and a vision, a dream that was just put in my heart many years ago, but up until now, it's it's coming to pass, you know, just having, um, starting my own orga- organization, Glory to Glory, uh, which is um, an orga- organization that will house women. Um, wow. Coming out of prison, coming out of jail, uh, men, I mean, I'm excuse me, women that... Um, are looking for a change. They want to go in a different direction than the direction they've been going in. But I can almost hear, I don't know, I can almost hear Ruben asking, forgive me, Ruben, for putting these words in your no, mouth. But no, I can no, almost no. Hear you say, <laughs> on, Ruben, you, you from, know me well. You know me well. It comes from what you said a few minutes ago. Everybody's going to say, Melinda, I do want to change. I do want to change. I want access to your program. You know, I want access to this resource. I've got to have it. How are you going to differentiate between those who have it in their heart, Melinda, versus those who are grasping at straws, so to speak. Mm-hmm. From, my, from my experience in working with, with women 
once they've been um, released from either prison or jail, my experience, and just working from women, working with women in general out here, you know, in, in the Orange County area, um, maybe not necessarily coming out of jail or prison, but they've, you know, they're struggling with addiction and they want help. Um, I've come to find out, because you do, you do run into the people who want it, but they don't want to do what it takes to get from point A to point right, B. Right, exactly. And, um... And that's how you, that's how I've learned to tell the difference. Because when you have women that are desperate, you know, and they're willing to do whatever it takes, they're the ones that are there when you say, can you meet me at 6 o'clock? And they're there at 5.30 waiting for you. Can you call me back in a half an hour? They'll call you back in a half an hour. Can you, you know, can you go see about this and, you know, find out about that? And, And they do it. That's how I've learned to tell the difference between the two um, where, where versus the other women. It's like they want it, but they want you to do all the work for them. They want you to do all yeah. the work. Okay. okay. <laughs> exactly, yes. But now, when did you first feel compassion for imprisoned women specifically? Were you a teenager? Were you in your, you know... Um, um, older years, or when when did you first feel that deep, deep something for specifically imprisoned women? Mm-hmm. I would say it was uh, probably approximately around the year, I'm going to say year, 1991, 92, is really when I just felt that stirring within myself. Um, just, just a, um, I'm going to say, just a stirring. Um, I would say that my eyes, I, I would say literally that my eyes that were literally opened to be able to see women, not for who they are, not for what they're doing, but to be able to see beyond that, be able to see past that, to be able, like I mentioned earlier, to be able to see the woman that's hurting. The woman that's been abused, the woman that's been rejected, the one that's been molested, the woman, you know, who lost her children, you know, the mom, the daughter, you know, whoever she may be. Um, because it takes that. Because a lot of times most people will look at certain individuals and they just see them for what they are. Exactly. And Stirring. what they're doing. You know, what they are and what they're doing. And even when you want to go beyond yourself and you get all these books and stuff and you're reading, you know, the stories, the case studies, the the testimonials and all that stuff, in your heart, you're still blaming them. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still disgusted. You're still appalled. You know, there are times when you can grab hold of that deep feeling of compassion so you really had an experience. You really had something mm-hmm. that was set apart from the normal response. Right. Yes, I believe I did. And I believe it had to, a lot to do with um, my spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and just um, because of that, because of the spiritual walk that I have and, um, and the... the um, I'm gonna say I want to say the length or just how serious, for lack of better words, mm-hmm. I, I I take my spiritual walk very seriously, and I believe because of that, um, my eyes have been opened, and to where I I believe I'm able to see women, um, in a whole different light than 
many others may be able to see them. Melinda, who taught you or, or what specific struggle in your life taught you endurance? Mm. You know, and, and the reason I ask that is because here on Ear to the Ground, and my listeners know this, we really like to get to know you. Mm-hmm. We want to emotionally connect with your issue, with your passion, with your, um, the thing that you're standing up for. Mm-hmm. So if you can help us to know you in this way, this would really help us. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people out there, right, Reuben? Yes. A lot of people out there are struggling with the thing we call endurance. That's it. Because we're enduring so that we can receive something that we dream of. Something mm-hmm. that has been promised in some way, right? Mm-hmm. If we don't endure, you know, every Harvard grad knows this. If we don't endure, you don't get to hang the certificate on your wall. Yeah, I think diploma. it's just the, uh, I'm sorry, Sandra. Uh, Go ahead. I, I just think it's, you know, that next step. You know, yes, you've felt the thing, you know, the call in your heart, your spirit. You you know, you're, you're walking in your spiritual walk. But w- what gave you <laughs> that uh, that step of faith? What 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 pushed you out there to say, okay, it's time to start, you know, this ministry? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What kept you ticking? And don't be mad at me because I know these, right, Reuben? They're (laughs) gut-level questions. They're designed to be philosophical, but that's so that we can emotionally connect with these intelligent listeners. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with Reuben. What brought you to that place where you were no longer willing to quit? Mm -hmm. You were going to have the fruition of this very real ministry our program Mm -hmm. well to be honest what really really got me to this point and just um, because our ministry I we started it in 2010 and um, to be honest I had tried to start it a few years prior to that and things didn't work out and but like you said I had to just keep going forward you know going forward and and pursuing what I knew what I knew I had to do but I believe and I don't know if this is going to be the right question I mean right answer or not but it doesn't have to be politically correct on KUCI I believe my where I'm at today what I'm doing today and the to the extreme I mean it's um is is my age I'm you know I'm a little bit older now um I guess they say you know once you get to a certain, well, for me, it's like you get to a certain age, you start thinking, okay, I only have so many more years, you know, and and I've had this dream for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, and for whatever reason, I haven't accomplished it yet. So I'm here now, I'm this, um, th- this many years old, and I need to do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to do this because I know one day I'll, I'll be held accountable for it. Hmm. If I don't do it. Have you had a lot of support from um, your closest loved ones, um, your best friends? Has the journey in building this, you know, from the time you wrote it down in your journal, maybe you don't even keep a journal, but the time you wrote it down, even in your internal journal, like this is something 
that presses on my heart. This is something that makes me vibrate a little bit. H- has has the journey been lonely? Or yeah, what what has that part been like? I think the journey you start out with. I know as far as my journey, it started out with a lot of people. And but what I've come to understand, and what I believe I've had to find out and really understand for myself, is that working with this specific population, um, you really have to have a heart for it. Because you find, I've found that, you know, a lot of people will come alongside of you and, you know, once you get in there and you start doing what needs to be done and the work and the effort and the time that it involves, um, I I believe a lot of people, some people find out it's not what they thought it was going to be. I see. So along the way, you know, you lose people. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, But what I found is that, you know, for every person that has stepped back, and I understand, I'm not mad at them, I'm not upset with them, there's no hard feelings or anything, because I understand that this type of work with this type of population is not for everybody. Um, and 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 I can I can hear especially one friend who really supports me in doing this show. I can hear her say, "Well, what does need to be done?" Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> because there are A type personalities out there, mm-hmm. and if you really have a heart for it, how could you give up? Yeah. So so what is it, dear? What what do people really have to dig into? The things that come to my mind are y- you have to be properly trained, of course, to deal emotionally and mentally, intellectually with this population in a general way. Mm-hmm. Every every person is different though. So mm-hmm. so there has to be training, I'm sure, yes. to deal yes. to connect with right. that person and to be able to lead them right. in another direction. And there's also becoming a resource. Mm-hmm. You have to know what that person's going to need physically, residentially, all that kind of thing. How they're going to deal with, you know, friends and family. So so where do people get stuck as they jump into helping you? with this ministry i think what i believe one of the biggest stumbling blocks is is when you begin to work with certain individuals and because of the their background and their lifestyle that they lived some don't understand just the instability that there is in that person's life okay and they don't understand that you know you can be working with them for three four months and that person may just walk away from you and and not want to do that anymore and after you've invested certain invest certain individuals have invested so much time and you know they've poured into this person and they've given of themselves and they've you know gone above and beyond for this person and now this person just walks away and goes back to using drugs i think i think that that is one of the main um one of the biggest i'm gonna say issue that people find with working with this type of population because to be honest not everybody makes it from point a to point b you have a Mm -hmm. lot that walk away it may get too hard for them it's too difficult for them they don't understand it they don't you know they don't want to do that they don't want to have to do this so they choose to go back to their lifestyle which is much more easier than what they're being asked to do 
Because in their other their lifestyle, you know, there's no responsibility there. There's no accountability. Right, when you're incarcerated, there. Right. okay, you know, wh- okay. whether you're incarcerated or whether you're, you know, you go back to your where where you your neighborhood and you know where where you're used to running around and doing your, you know, whatever it is you're doing, the drugs or. Um, you don't have to worry about anything there. There's no mm-hmm. responsibility there. There's nobody putting any, nobody there putting any kind of demands on you, mm-hmm. you know, where you got to do this, this or that. Versus, you know, coming into a program or working with a mentor or where there's accountability there. Right, right. So um, what I'm saying is I, I believe one of the biggest obstacles for people that do help is that they don't understand that part. Okay, mm. okay. That they're very, very busy, so to speak, running away from any sense of responsibility. Yes, yeah. Ruben, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I mean, it's it's almost, yeah, I was just kind of thinking maybe of um, the workers that she may have if, you know, if, I think it's like most things when, you know, I'd say for us men, we start a project we see getting to where it's going, and then when the minute we take a break, it's like we'll take a long break <laughs> and just leave that project unattended. And it, that's kind of what I see, mm-hmm. like with Melinda is um, speaking about. Um, so, would you say that that's one of the hardest things um, with working with the individuals, or? Mm. Just wanting to take that long break and just kind of not want to come back. Is that what you're asking, Ruben? Yeah, kind of. Gosh, just, how, can I, just, how can I put it? I could say it does, it, it can be frustrating. It can. Um, but you have to be able to. It's almost, you got to be persistent, it sounds exactly. like, right? You, gotta, you have to be determined. You have to be persistent. You have to be willing if that person takes off for a week and then comes back and wants to get back in there again. You have to be willing, a person that's willing to say, okay, come on, let's pick yourself up, dust yourself off, let's continue. Um, where I find that some people aren't capable of doing that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I myself have had to learn how to do that. I, I myself, I, I'd say I had to, because of the personality I have, I was like, either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But I found that that doesn't work with this type of population. You have to be flexible. You have to be able to, you know, to, you know, yeah, I understand there's boundaries and there's, you know, there's times you have to say no. And, you know, I understand all that. But there also has to be times where you can, you know, bend the rules a little bit and work with them a little be bit. Be very yeah. flexible. Yes, yes. And, um, again, we're staring three minutes in the face. But I want you to tell me your contact information. If people want to contact you, Melinda, I want you to tell me where you want to be in 10 years with glory to glory. You know, I want you to get that that dream out on the air um, and just really share with us. But first, your contact information. Um, The contact information for Glory to Glory, um, like I mentioned, we are actually located in the city of Placentia, uh, but our website address is www.glorytoglory.wix, that's W-I-X dot com, 
And um, our, our mailing address is P.O. Box 6581, Fullerton, California, 92834-6581. And um, the... Would you like for me to give a telephone number also? If you want to, if okay. you feel comfortable. Sure, or yeah, if you want yeah. Them to our email. telephone number there, if you have any questions or, you know, you would like to speak directly with me, that's fine. Um, my cell number is 714-818-4370. And I know that I did want to give this, also provide this information for the mentoring program. It's a new mentoring program that we're hooking up, that we're starting and hooking up with the Orange County Sheriff Department. And it's called the Onesimus mentoring program and that's working with um, men and women coming out of um, the Orange County facilities throughout Orange County and the contact person you can either contact me or is Bob Roll his number is 951-858-6599 and that's for anybody who may be interested in mentoring. Wow very very exciting all right, well, Melinda Magdaleno, and that was www.glorytogloryoc.wix, W-I-X, and Glory to Glory OC is all spelled out. There are no numbers in there. Right. So, I guess we're going to have to end now. I know uh, Orange County listeners stay tuned for Jared's Dread Zone, but I want you to tell me in like 40 seconds, what are some 10-year goals? You know, just 10-year thoughts. 10-year thoughts. In 10 years, I, we, my husband and I, because he is the co-founder of our organization, we would like to have a, a men and a woman's facility, um, faith-based, located in Orange County. And also, we would love to, you know, have our food ministry, which is part of Glory to Glory. We would love to expand that also to be able to feed more of our community in the surrounding areas. Wow. Well, thank you, Melinda. Thank you, Ruben. This has thank been you, uh, an exciting journey. And Melinda said she's willing to be with us more on Ear to the Ground. So stay tuned. We have Jared walking in the studio. And then you'll be back with us again, Orange County, Monday, 5 to 6, Ear to the Ground. You're listening to 88.9 FM right here in Irvine. You love have Alzheimer's? We're here to help. Alzheimer's Family Services Center is the only dementia-specific adult day health center in Orange County, offering expert support and services to families living with Alzheimer's. Check out our website at afscenter.org or call 714-593-9630. You and your love deserve the best. Call today for a free consultation. 714 714- Five nine three nine six three zero. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? They're not movie tough guys. Just ordinary people doing something extraordinary. They're all signed up on matchingdonors.com, willing to donate their kidney to anyone who needs it. In the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. Matchingdonors.com improves those odds by finding living altruistic donors for patients desperately needing transplants. Go to matchingdonors.com and meet some extraordinary people. That's matchingdonors.com. If you're looking for a new place to live and have been discouraged from looking in certain neighborhoods, you may have experienced housing